There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fangirl Zone. And tonight we are on episode 21 of Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve. And tonight we'll be discussing episodes two and three of season two of The Twelve Monkeys. I'm so excited. This show has been amazing. It sure has. And we're only three episodes in. I'm loving it. Yes. Again, I know we talked about it in episode one, but I just want to say I'm super excited that they have gone well above and beyond what I expected of, of this show. I mean, when you have something based on a movie, you're kind of iffy of what could happen. Right. And this has just been just outstanding. Yes, yes. The showrunners have done just an amazing job in continuing the story, and I can't wait to see what's happening. (laughs) Yes. All right, so take us into Episode 2, Steve. All right, Episode 2, Primary. When an attempt to destroy the virus changes the future, Cole finds himself stranded in 2016 with an unstable Jennifer Goins, who may or may not be his key to getting home. Meanwhile, Jones and Rayleigh must deal with both the consequences of the change timeline and the temporal facility's newest prisoner, Ramsey. So many things. Where shall we start? Let's start at the beginning. We have (laughs) Cole and Cassie holding guns against each other. Yeah, I know. It was like a very tense moment. And I don't know how I feel about this because I understand Cole's point. Yes. And I understand Cassie's point. And you brought it up last time about, you know, maybe he realizes this is the change that needs to happen in order to save the future. And it's just nuts because how do you really see what one little thing, you know, can do to affect the world around you? Right. That's what's so crazy about this show. Yeah, you never know what little thing you do is going to make a huge ripple in a time stream. You know, and he he makes the point, you know, I've killed so many people and it hasn't had any effect. So I'm going to try to start saving people instead and see if that doesn't do any good. And again, you have the whole trickle down and does it help? Kind of. Yeah. So they are able to stop Jennifer from, from dropping the virus, say the poison, <laughs> the kind of the virus there at Chinese New Year. Right. And get the information from her about where the rest of the virus is. And it's kind of funny because when they destroy it, I mean, Ramsey's there with them because, again, you, you had Cassie about to shoot Ramsey, too. Right. Because we like didn't know who knocked Ramsey out. And we see that. It was Cassie who did. Right. I wasn't sure if it was going to be, you know, basically a good guy or a bad guy. Right. 
Oh gosh, there's just, it was crazy. There was just so much going on at once and it was kind of hard to wrap your mind around, which is kind of funny because it takes me into the next moment here. When they destroy the virus, everything is on this private plane. You have Jennifer like starting to kind of flip out and she's like, it's changing. Times are changing. And it's weird because nobody can tell anything in that moment and we don't learn anything but it just seems like she knows. And I think you brought this up last week that maybe she can see all the time streams, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because how is that possible? <laughs> you know, how is she this this person who can see everything that's changing and is she the only one? Right. And then it makes you think, wait, if it's, you know, she's, what did they diagnose her with in the first one? Like she was schizophrenic or just disassociative? I can't remember offhand, but are they trying to say that everybody who's ever been diagnosed with that can, you know, kind of be in the same wavelength as her? I doubt that it's anybody that's diagnosed that way. I believe that that's probably just a few that are that way. Oh, okay. And it may only be be one per generation even. Oh, okay. See, I didn't think about it that way. I'm just thinking she seems to be such an integral part going from season one into season two and whatever may happen. Right. That what if it's, you know, more? Yes. (laughs) Crazy. Go with our next tidbit. Well, and the thing is, is once they, you know, they destroy the virus and they all kind of freak out a little bit because time has changed and because they're time travelers, they, they do feel it. They don't understand it, but they feel it. And so Cassie makes the call that Ramsey's not on board anymore. So the tether that was meant for him, she injects into Ramsey and he pops back to 2044. Which was kind of interesting too with that because if Cole's not on board, isn't it a whole paradoxical kind of thing leaving him back in 2016? Yes. So it's like. Wait a minute, even if you're mad at him, which, well, we find out more on that later, leaving him back could be part of what triggers everything in 2044. And you're, you, Cassie, are not supposed to be in 2044. Right. So you need to be in 2016. <laughs> My head hurts now. Yeah. And then we, <laughs> you know, we cut to 2044 and we see Jones seeing the changes Oh, yeah, that was really cool, though. That I was love when awesome. they do that. Just, like, little changes, but it's, like, happening really fast. Like, the board is moving around. People are there. They're not there. They're moving. I love that. I wonder, like, how strange that is because she has to be there as they're, like, changing all the stuff and, and, like, having people move around her where it was almost like an extended exposure thing. Right. How weird is that for an actor? Like, okay, you have to keep being in this exact same spot while we change everything around you. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, don't move. Don't move. That was that was weird. And I obviously missed something because I didn't understand what happened with the blanket. Because I knew she was trying to save her daughter, and that was the whole reason that she did this. Right. But then at one point when she goes to her office to look to see what else is changing, and a whole lot is changing in there, too. Right. Like, the blanket has a name. It doesn't have a name, but it has a name. Right. So what did I miss? I didn't, I was kind of confused. Well, as the time was resetting the past, she probably didn't have the child at the same year that she did originally. It may have been delayed a year or two, which caused the name to disappear from a blanket and then reappear. Okay. That's why I'm like, I am confused with what's happening. Right. But that makes sense. Okay, I get that now. And the biggest thing is we get a new character, Dr. Eklund. (laughs) 
who is very familiar. Oh, yes. Anybody that is um, a Battlestar Galactica fan will recognize <laughs> him. <laughs> That's why I was sitting there looking at him going, ah, wait a minute. Who is this? I'm like, why do I know this guy's face? Seriously, I'm staring at it, and I just couldn't place it, couldn't place it. I'm like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, like, pops up in my head, you know, who this guy is. Colonel like, Ty! Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and at first I was like, wait, was he was he ever in any of the first season? No. Okay. I didn't know if it was kind of one of those people that was like, um, what's it called? Almost like a background actor. Right. Yeah, no. He wasn't a... He was never in. No. Okay. That's why I was looking going, was he? Did I, did I miss something? And, uh, yeah. Lots of stuff. We'll talk about the other one in a little bit. But uh, let's go ahead. Sorry. Interesting that he was, well, very familiar with Dr. Jones. Yes. <laughs> very familiar. I think she was surprised herself. Yeah. Because <laughs> it wasn't her reality. And the only reason it wasn't was because she had also injected herself with the time travel ser serum so she could observe the changes in time as they occurred. So... Again, and I'm sure I've asked this before, with them not being affected exactly by it, isn't that kind of causing ripples? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely causing ripples. And yet, in her journal, it's like every timeline converging because she had gotten information about what happened in the timeline that she is unaware of what happened in. Right. So if that doesn't confuse you, <laughs> then head on over to Doctor Who for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just saying. There's some insanity happening all over. It, it's just amazing, and I love it. And it's just kind of funny because Eklund decides to say, well, you, you don't remember me, huh? And she was just all, you know, very straightforward with everything. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure everybody appreciated that because every it's weird because how the, all the other scientists just, they were cool with it. They're like, oh, okay, so this didn't happen before, but we got it fixed. All right. Yeah. They, they ended up delaying the virus, the virus being released by two years, which gave and Cassie enough life. time to be more prepared for it. And so it didn't do quite as much damage as it did originally. Which is good. Right. Because little things that Jones was saying, and I think, excuse me, I have to hang up from there. I don't know if it was this episode or next when she's like, wait, there's actual broadcast happening. Right. So things have turned in their favor, just not to the extent that they want it to be. Right. But again, I think we've talked about this too. You know, every time travel thing, you know, there's fixed points because you can't go back and change your history because then your future self that needs to go back is never going to go back. <laughs> or was I talking about that at work? <laughs> we talk about strange things at work sometimes. Mm -hmm. I just feel like this has been one of those weird topics that have come up a lot because you can never fully change everything because you will deter yourself from doing what you have to do. Right. But everything that's happened to Jones, she does not know. And it's kind of strange that there really isn't a whole lot about Eklund other than Oh, yes, I understand you've been very helpful. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, this is going to be kind of weird when you come to the bed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you go, oops. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then collectively everybody did the dog head turn. Like, Rrr. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, okay, new player. And they're uh, really playing it up. <laughs> but, I mean, he was really 
really understanding about everything. Yeah. Because he decided to leave. But it's funny because he's like, oh, the best part of us, our relationship was when I had to break down your walls. Well, I'm going to enjoy doing that again. Right. And it's kind of funny because every so often when they show him, you know, he's like waking at her. She just kind of seems really taken aback. Like, what the? I don't know what to do. Which is funny to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm weird. But I just love how, how, like, she is just so surprised that this is happening. But, I mean, she's been so focused on trying to go back in time to change, you know, what happened. I don't think she had really thought up until this point about herself at all. Right. So I like that. And I can't wait to see what happens. Hopefully it's not going to be some, oh, well, we've changed this particular moment in time and now he's gone. Right. That would be a little depressing. Yes, it would. <laughs> oh, man, it's probably going to happen now. <laughs> Go ahead, take us into the next tidbit, shall we? Well, we get to see Ramsey just getting tortured by Deacon. Good old waterboard. Yeah, that that works every time, obviously. Yes, trying to get information about the messengers and where they were going and what time they were going, and Ramsey doesn't know. Mm-hmm. At least that's what he's telling them. And then we get to Ramsey turning the tables. This was actually really interesting to me. Yes. We get to hear Deacon's backstory about his alcoholic father who was about to kill his mother and some man ended up stopping it by calling the police and that man happened to be Ramsey. And yet Ramsey, who was basically, yeah, the reason that Deacon is kind of safe and sound at this point is being beaten by by Deacon because I don't know if it was because he didn't want anybody to ever know, you know, what his background was right. or what the situation was because he was just like super pissed. Yes. That he's like, I believe your dad would have went all the way, but I called the cop. Although then, you know, Ramsey had to be super smug. Little petty. I'm a little thirsty. Really? That's where you want to go with this? But yeah, I mean, Deacon was just pissed. And I really think it was just because he had somebody know that he wasn't always, you know, a strong leader. But hello, he was a 10-year-old kid. Right. You know, nobody expects a 10-year-old kid to save the world. <laughs> Unless you're John Connor. Yeah. Then you know. But uh, we start seeing a little bit of a, a relationship bloom, it seems. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, I'm sorry, my exasperated sigh, I can't help it. No. Why does everybody have to try to get with everybody? Stop it, writers. I can't stand it anymore. But Cassie ends up stopping Deacon because he would have probably killed Ramsey at that point. And they seem to be really cozy together. Yeah. And that's kind of brought up by Cole at one point, you know, that why is you know, why is it you guys are so chummy? And it's obviously because of, you know, what I did that I sent you here. Mm-hmm. And there's some jealousy. Oh, big time. Which I can't blame him because everybody hated Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's a good guy now. Are we absolutely sure of that yet? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of still up in the air. And it's real interesting that he seems to kind of be the same as he was before the time, before the virus was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So did he, in those eight months, did he happen to get injected as well? Because he would have changed and wouldn't have basically remembered the eight months together with Cassie and training her and all that, so... Well, maybe that's why the semi-romantic relationship, that's where it came from. Could be. But then Cassie wouldn't remember. No, she would remember. Yeah, she's been injected with serum, so... 
I'm confused. You're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn you writers. Yeah. Hopefully that's not just a oops, that there is something behind that, because that was the one thing I noticed, that he didn't change, and he was still on board with everything, and you would think that all the changes that actually occurred, something the odds of him, him being exactly the same as he was before it were slim and none. Mm-hmm. So. Dang it. I didn't even think about that. So back in 2016, Jennifer and Cole go on a little uh, escapade. Jennifer tells him that she did change in the time jump, but not the way he thinks. What do you think that meant? I think it was the way she actually started understanding what she was hearing and seeing a little better okay because she's because she's very obsessed with prime numbers and this is the first time we've ever heard her mention prime numbers okay okay that makes sense and they end up at a hotel that she directs him to because they have phones yes (laughs) because cole thinks he can call jones of 2016 and convince her to bring him back to 2044 in the future that's not confusing <laughs> right but jennifer wants them to go to room 607 and right that's not where they're putting them no they're putting them in 210 and i also felt like the lobby didn't quite match with the room right did you get like i felt like it was kind of a sleazy hotel yes yes and then they get up and it's like a nice room and it actually gets more because more upscale i guess right because you know events happen in the room he's calling jones and jennifer's in the bathroom trying to i guess come to an understanding with what's happening and she's pretty upset about it yes she knows that she does 210 is not the room and she's definitely not happy about it but yeah well the motel manager shows up, knows his name. And you go, right. Hmm? That's a, I thought something bad was happening. Right. right there. You, you definitely thought it might have something to do with the monkeys, the 12 monkeys, yes. the army of the 12, because you go, huh? Why did he know who he was? And we find out because they take him up to 607 because Cole permanently rented the room in 1944. And that's why I'm like, wow, okay, how much did he pay? Because it was a residence. Right. So he, like, purchased that forever. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, the lobby with the guy who's at the front desk, it makes it seem like it's a a slime bag. Yeah, and then the room that they were in, 207, was actually pretty nice. And then they go up into, you know, the residence. What was it, 610? 607. 607. It was 210, 607, right? Mm. I screwed that up. Um, And that's, you know, a suite. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck kind of hotel is this? It just seemed really weird. Yes, it it didn't all add up. (laughs) Figure it probably had to be a really posh hotel in the 40s that has fallen on hard times and is pretty much a run-down dump, except for room 607. Which, I mean, the guy who's running the hotel, motel, whatever, you know, he's like, I used to believe that or I had to come in here once a year to dust, and we just kept it like a museum. And you really look like him. Is that your grandfather? And I love how Colt is like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just closes the door on him. It's like, dude, he's trying to at least be nice. But again, I'm like so worried that everybody is, is out to get them. <laughs> it's like, I can't trust anyone. I can't trust Joy. But I love that. Him and Jennifer have a heart-to-heart right here, and that nothing is set in stone, that she doesn't have to be this 
person that keeps being used. Right. And well, this ends up coming back to help him. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sorry because I watched both of them recently. So help me out because do we have this happen in this episode or next? No, in this episode, daughter? Jones gets kidnapped by the daughters who, okay. who tell them you must bring Cole back. That so was this, and it's weird because I don't remember ever hearing the daughters before. Right. Because they were like freaking ninjas. (laughs) They get into the compound around all of this security. Right. And bag Jones and take her out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did see them at the end of last season. I don't remember ninjas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't know that they they were that good. Okay. (laughs) Like, I think I might remember ninjas. But it's just interesting because they said they'll leave. And Joan seems to think, like, okay, we need them gone, so we need to do what they're saying. And, well, back comes Cassie, and I love it because, he, she, you know, Cole's like, well, why are you here? And she hands him a note then mm-hmm. that said, I found my purpose, yeah. which is just what he was telling Jennifer. Exactly. And then, okay, so then it is this episode where it flashes forward then, and we see Jennifer kind of lift her head up. Yes. It's an older Jennifer. Yes. And she just smiles. Yes, she's paid her debt. So I did like that. I was happy for that. Yeah. Craziness. These episodes are crazy. Yes. And it's hard to keep track because, like I said, I'm watching it. It's bouncing around. I'm like, what episode is this? We bounce around so much. So was there anything left in episode two that we didn't cover? Not really. I mean, when Cole does return, you get some conflict between him and Cassie because Cassie had threatened to hurt Ramsey's son. And, of course... Jones wants to know if he's still on board with doing the mission, and he says he is. But the mission changes constantly. Yes. And I'm wondering if Jones just isn't realizing this. She is, but isn't. Yeah, I don't think she knew what the next step would be, but of course, Cole did. Mm-hmm. Because of room 607. And the picture of him and Cassie there. Back in 1944, 1944, I believe it was. Yes. So it looks like they're going back in time. Yep. Let's strap in, because here we go. Again, craziness. So I think that'll take us to episode three. Yes, it will. 100 years. Despite the growing tension between them, Cole and Cassie traveled back to 1940s New York during World War II to track down a dangerously seductive member of the 12 who's plotting an assassination. They have very little to work with here. Right. But interestingly enough, they have jewels that are apparently worth a whole lot more back then than they are now. (laughs) Well, not even now. In the future. All right. This is going to be weird with the tenses here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Jones tells them, because you're going to need money, you're going to need contacts, I'm going to give you these. These are worthless in in 2044. They'll be worth a mint going back into 1940s. Right. And apparently they were, because that's the only way Cole could have bought the room 607 for the rest of forever. (laughs) Right. Along with everything they needed. Mm -hmm. Clothes, food, transportation, their way into places. They end up at a party because that's the only information they have. Yes, I thought it was interesting that they splintered, you know, one right after the other. Oh, yes, but it was several months apart. Yeah, that was really interesting that Cassie didn't show up for a couple of months after Cole had gotten there. And then she was kind of mad that Cole was... I guess appreciative of what was happening. Yeah, he kind of enjoying the time and right because 
Hello. Okay, in 2016, 2015, I guess, when we're starting with her, mm-hmm. 2014, I can't remember what year we're starting with her. She had all of these things and kind of took it for granted. Where in the future, you didn't have any of this. So Cole never had any of this stuff. That's why when he came back and first met Cassie, he was so excited about a freaking hamburger. <laughs> okay, so go back in time where he is actually... Because of the jewels gotten given by Jones, he's like well off. He has plenty to to eat, to drink, clothes, and yes, there's a pending war. But because he knows what happens, he knows he's safe. You know, it it's just I guess it it's all the point of view. So yeah, Cassie's mad because he set everything up, but Cole's like, all right, you know what? I don't have this. I've never had this. Like, give me something. Right. And we find out a couple members of the Twelve have shown up in this particular moment. Mm-hmm. And already taken, killed two people and taken their identities so they can also get into this um, fundraiser. Right. I just don't understand how they have the information they had the time. Didn't they have the time that it was supposed to happen? They knew the day. Oh, I thought they had the time. Yeah, I think it was. No, That's why I'm like, why day. are they not moving faster? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But this is where we get the detective that I believe you talked about when we did episode one, that he is going to kind of be all up trying to get Cole mm-hmm. because he thinks he has to do with a lot, you know, everything to do with everything. Right. Oh, and who was that? Was that, uh, I think it's Jake Karn. I could be wrong because there were so many of them. Right. But, you know, he kind of starts giving Cole grief at the party. Right, because he wouldn't tell a, a war story. Well, plus because he hadn't shaved, right. and that's where it started. And, well, it all kind of goes downhill. Right. And we get a great story that Cassie it. comes up with. That was actually a really interesting story, yeah. and I'm like, where did she get this? Yeah, where did that come from? Right. And I love because she's like, he was shot. Yeah, down there. <laughs> and, whoa, whoa, sorry, buddy, didn't, didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, the target that they're trying to save, the 12, you know, the members of the 12 reach that person, but they get information out of it. Right. And it's all because of the drawing of the monkey. Yep. I'm like, how far back in time is this freaking, like, crazy monkey drawing happening? It's crazy. And in the back, it turns out it is the man who died. It's his kid. Right. Who's a junior. Yeah. It was still Thomas Crawford, but they killed senior instead of junior. Right. And so, you know, they're trying to find this kid. Well, it turns out he's in an insane asylum, which is why I had that idea that is it everybody who's who has this, like I said, diagnosis, the ones who who can see time? Because why else would he be drawing the monkeys? Right. It didn't make sense. So we end up at the asylum trying to save him. And oh, hey. I know that face from another time travel yes. show. <laughs> from 2044. Was it? Was that the date? I didn't even realize that. How funny is that? They go back and forth. Eric Knudsen. Knudsen? Yeah, I'm not quite sure from yeah, Eric Knudsen from uh, Continuum. Continuum. I'm like, this is insane. Sci-fi, you keep... Okay, you're about as bad as BBC bringing people in from your other shows. <laughs> and now I didn't even realize it goes... We're going from 2044 to 2016 to 1944, and he's in his other show, like, going forward to, like, 
or the 2044s in there again. Yeah, uh, like, no, yeah I think uh, they actually were, it was 27 something. Okay. Yeah. It like, it's crazy that there's was much this much ahead in time. Okay. That's just crazy. <laughs> All, <this bat. laughs> All right. You win this one, sci fi. Yeah. Neck and neck with BBC with confusing me with time travel. Yes. All right. So. He seemed really cool with everything. And yeah, it was he weird even because knew Cole's he knew. Name. Right. It's like, huh? Right. But the fact that he's like, oh, today's the day I die. And he was totally fine with it. I'm like, why are you okay with this? Why are you not like, all right, freaking out? Like Jennifer kind of freaked out with a bunch of stuff. Right. But we start learning that, and this is where I think it's what you had said, you know, might come into play that maybe there's only like one a generation. Because they say that he's the primary. Yes, primary. So he can see, like, the time streams and what happened, which is obviously what Jennifer is in the future. Mm-hmm. But this is where it's getting confusing. And I'm wondering if somehow this is going to be connected to Madeline's stuff. Because isn't she supposed to be in the last episode? Yes. In I think somehow they're all 1944. Connected. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't keep up. But they're going to kill the kid and he's okay with it because he's he decides even though cassie comes up with a plan to save him he's like no this is fine and can i just say when they were doing the exchange and i say that in parentheses here right or quotes why the heck did cole not grab him and pull him down so cassie could just shoot right that woman? why that would have taken care of it mm-hmm. well, of or course cassie didn't have her gun pulled yet because yeah. it wasn't until cole got right in front of her that she actually pulls it out but but i mean you couldn't see her because both of them were in the hallway. Right. I've been so frustrated with any show in the last few days that have guns and people acting stupid and not doing what you think they should do. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, why? You could have saved him. But instead, you know, she's going through the whole ritual with the flower petals. Right. And she's going to stab the kid. And again, the kid is just sitting there like, do, 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 I'm totally fine. This is cool. But we get the same thing. That happens from episode, was it episode one, actually, from season one with the watches? Right. Because the knife that the girl has, I think her name is Scotty. Well, that's her real name anyway. Right. Uh, is made from the collarbone of this kid. Right. Because that's not weird. Well, it is what causes a paradox. Which is what we don't want to happen no. because <laughs> things go awry. But interestingly enough, as this is happening, we have all this happening in 1944. In 2044, we have other things happening at the same time, and they kind of go back and forth. Right. So before we finish everything in 1944, let's jump to 2044. Right. And because Cole requested Jones allow Ramsey to see his son, they bring him in, mm-hmm. and they get to have a nice little game of something. Right, I don't know what they were playing. No, I was trying to it was that out. probably a, some form of checkers, but with a whole lot more pieces. Okay. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, no, I had no clue what it was either. They come and get him, and basically his time's up. Yeah. Jones has made the decision that having Ramsey alive is not a good thing. That kind of worked my nerves that Jones did that. Yeah, that she would, especially the way she asked, Cole, if he was still with her, Mm -hmm. and then you, you know, turn around and do this to him, and it's like, "Mm, not a good thing. Right. I'm like, come on, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that, why she decided that, oh, yeah, no big deal. I will go ahead and just betray you, because when you come back, you won't be mad or anything. Yeah. And, well, with that betrayal, in walks Mr. Deacon. Yeah, and he's more than happy to go 
take care of this with Ramsey. So they drive out into the country. He makes Ramsey dig his own grave. And like I said, as that's happening, we kind of get the back and forth because everything happening in 1944 is causing 2044 to suddenly have a red forest coming up. Yes. Times they are a changing. Mm-hmm. And as that's all happening, nobody seemed to notice except Deacon. Because he starts seeing some of it happen, and he's, like, looking but not saying anything. Right. And because he really doesn't know anything of, about the Red Forest that Cassie has been to. See, I thought he had information on it. I don't think so. That's why I was just kind of, I was kind of confused. I'm like, why is he not saying what is going on? Right. Why is that coming up? Yeah, why you know, is something. this? Why is all this green turning red all of a sudden? Hmm. Right. Something's not right here. I was very unhappy with that. I'm like, say something, say something. Because then, as the paradox happens in 1944, and basically when she stabbed him, everything kind of blows up, which is weird. Right. Because it's a person. Right. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a person to blow up. <laughs> But he didn't disappear. Right. So, like, the room kind of explodes. Well, then going back to 2044, you have all these things happening, all these kind of like mini explosions with clouds, and it turns out it's a bunch of paradoxes everywhere. Who gets one? It gets one of Deacon's guys. Right. And that was an awesome special effect. Yes, it was. Because you had it making him, he's like yelling, but he's like, he's old, he's young, he's decomposed. It was messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Time no, dilation where is he saying Deacon? I'm like, what What are you doing? He's trying to kill you. But you're going to save him and pull him, because Deacon starts freaking out then. Right. Ramsey like, hits him with the, uh, knocks him down with the shovel. But then he ultimately saves him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand that. I think Ramsey's actually had a little bit of coal rub off on him over these those couple of months that they spent together running from the army. And I think mm. he's finally getting himself to the point where, yeah, killing is not always the only answer. Okay. But still, it was like, what? Yeah. Why are you taking <laughs> him would think he just ran and left Deacon there to get caught in one of those paradoxes. Yeah. Because then when we come back to 1944, everybody's knocked out. Yeah. I'm assuming the kid is dead. It looked like he was dead. Oh, yeah. And then the... Detective finds... Yeah, I wouldn't say the local police, <laughs> but it's like the time... I can't figure out how to say this. The officer who was actually Secret Service... Right. ...who Cole grabbed his badge... He finds them, and he's like, what happened? Because everybody's just knocked out. Right. And he can tell it was some kind of explosion. And that's kind of where everything ends with that. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen for the next episode. I'm excited to see what happens because of all the crap happening in the future. Yes. Which I think is going to have a lot to do with what's happening in the past. In the past. <laughs> I'm like, right now, wait, no, in 1944, I don't know how to say this. Again, trying to talk with the tenses in regards to the show makes it very difficult. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that this detective or secret service agent or whatever, however we want to deem him, is going to have a lot to do with some of these paradoxes. Like, whatever he does, it's going to cause stuff to happen. Right. So, again, confusion, excitement, anything else. This was a weird one going back and forth and, and what was happening in both at the same time. Right. Yes. It, I And it's going to get more and more and more complex as we go on, I'm sure. <laughs> because
because time travel is so simple to work with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think uh, we've only seen timey-wimey. I think <laughs> this one may exceed timey-wimey even. This is going to give us major wibbly-wobbly. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you know what we're talking about, we're very proud of you. Yes. <laughs> if not, go watch Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Podomatic, on fangirlzone.com. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends. And we really do hope you're enjoying our podcast. And if you have anything you want to share with us in regards to this show, time travel, Doctor Who, what the heck, anything, give us a, give us an email fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com and of course you can find all of our contacts on fangirlzone.com we have a whole fangirlzone.com contact tab gives you everywhere you can find fangirlzone of course Steve on the other hand <laughs> is in about a million places so Steve do a rundown for everyone alright you can find me on Golden Spiral Media doing Witness Prophecies, a Sleepy Hollow podcast. I'm guesting on Triple Cast, talking Sherlock Holmes with uh, Corey. And um, let's see, I'm doing The C Word, a Orphan Black podcast that is just about to be syndicated on Hollow Nine, like the Fangirl Zone is. And I also do another Orphan Black podcast called Felix's Helixes over at Southgate Media Group. And that doesn't count all the stuff that we have done in the past for DVMPE. Yeah, as you can tell, Sheep really doesn't even like Orphan Black. (laughs) Yeah, last weekend I actually did three (laughs) podcasts on it because I guessed it on yours. (laughs) (laughs) He's on a lot. So, yes, we definitely want to hear from you, though. And we love podcasts and we love talking about sci-fi. Hopefully you you guys are enjoying this, but we want to hear from you. So, for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I don't know why I'm singing, for episode 21 of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve. And until next time. Don't get in a paradox.